This is the Beautiful Feet Podcast. A partnership with BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment and enjoy the show. Alright, welcome to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. I'm sitting here with my friend Joe. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing fantastic, thanks. Alright, man. Well, I just want to let everyone know before we jump into the conversation, we are recording this over the phone. Um, <laughs> so the quality may not be amazing, but we're going to do the best we can with what we have. So <laughs> we tried to get a conference call to work, and it was just having some issues. So we decided to go a little... Um, I'm going to say old school, for the lack of a better term. Uh, we are over the phone, but on a Zoom call without audio. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't get the audio to work. So, this is what you get. Oh, if anything, they're going to get a laugh out of this, and it's going to be fun. Uh, so, what's up, dude? How you doing? Oh, you know what? I'm I'm doing the best I can with uh, with this you know whole COVID nineteen going on. Um, you know, trying to do the best I can with it because you know I, I am a rideshare driver and I do what they call an express program. So mm-hmm. I was one of the first ones to lose my job because those fees. It, it's pretty much a rental through a rideshare like Lyft or Uber. Yeah, and those fees are so high that I was the first one to be affected because no one was going to work, no one was going to school. So I'm doing the best I can without having any um, any employment. Uh, but luckily for me, the wife is still working hard. Well, that's good, man. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, things are going okay on this end. I'm just kind of, you know, getting ready to move to overnights. So it's one of those where I'm like, okay, that's going to be interesting. Um but yeah, anyway, so let's just go ahead and jump into it. So, um, you started a YouTube channel. Let's talk about that for a brief minute. Give me give me some background on that channel. Oh, man, I'm so excited to have launched our YouTube channel. Um, it is called Roads to Redemption. Uh, the meaning behind it is, you know, God redeems us in certain ways, and there's not one way to get to that place where you finally look up in front of you and see God. So mm-hmm. what we wanted to do is combine two of our most favorite things, travel and Jesus. And that's what our YouTube channel is, we, you know, finally getting it launched, getting it together. Uh, we are truly excited to getting it going. So if anybody wants to get there, uh, just go to YouTube, type in Roads with an S roads to redemption um you'll see it's just me and my family we go on trails we go on hikes we go out and just kind of use our surroundings and, and try to bring scripture into it like one of our first episodes that we launched it was called uh, victory in christ yeah and we actually went out to uh, buckeye arizona um, in the Verado area very very nice area very new um it's called victory steps so that's what we did with this, with that area. We uh, the title's called Victory in Christ. We were at Victory Steps, hiked it up, and did a little sermon at the end. Um, it, it's just something that God has given me with this gift mm-hmm. to kind of explain certain things that most people don't see. I'm able to see something, and I, I'm no I'm no Bible thumper. I wish I was. I, I can't look 
at something and like, boom, here's the scripture. I, I have to research for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm able to explain things a little bit more different than most people as, as you know, like I explained with the victory steps. I was like, wow, I can, I can teach about victory in Christ with that. And then, you know, our second one was um, our second video that we did. It was called God Size Hole. And we went out to Popical Park, which is right in the smack center of, of Phoenix. Um, it's right in the heart of the valley, which is actually on the border. The Popical Mountains are on the border of Phoenix, Tempe, and Scottsdale. So if you go on top of these mountains, you can actually see all three cities. It's kind of like the four corners of Phoenix. <laughs> 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 where you can see all, all three cities from from where you're at, which is really cool. So um, what we went to up to, we hiked up to a, a place called Hole in the Rock. So that kind of gave me the idea to... Um, teach on that God-sized hole in our hearts, you know, how to, you know, when we go about living our lives and we feel empty, there's, you know, try to fill it with things. And for me, um, I used to fulfill that God-sized hole with addiction, women, you know, drugs, you know, getting real serious here. Um, and I try to fill it. And in the video I talked about, I knew about it my entire life, that there was a part of me missing. But when I found Christ, man, that, that hole was filled up quick and i mean really quick and i noticed that with jesus in my life i was able to become whole and to fill my purpose in life so it's a really good channel you know i really want to continue doing this for a long time it's just our ministry has led us to do this Mm -hmm. and god has led us to do this and honestly i've searched on youtube and try to find similar you know channels that what we are doing yeah, we see other pastors doing that, but they're like in Jerusalem. They're they're actually you know at, at certain sites in in the Holy Land, you know, talking about certain things and bringing scripture into it. I mean, we can't go to Jerusalem. We have to use what we have in our surroundings. And I've noticed that there's a lot of places here at home that we can go to. And unfortunately, because of the lockdown. We are very limited on how we started, are um, very limited on on where we had to go and what we need to do in order to get the YouTube channel, but we we launched it Easter weekend. What Mm -hmm. better time to launch a YouTube ministry? It was on Easter Sunday, and I hope I don't get any backlash. People are like, just stay home. Don't go out hiking, but, you know, not too many people hike. There's not too many people on these trails. And the common courtesy of trailing is is that when you're walking up and somebody's walking down, you either step out of the way or you go off trail trail for a couple minutes and wait for them to pass you. That's kind of the common courtesy. Mm-hmm. They've already made it to the top. Let them come down. So either way, with the uh, social, I don't like you know. I agree that our pastor has said that not social distancing, but physical distancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just kind of do that. It's, it's the same common courtesy when you're around people who are hiking. So it, it's not the same element as if you were walking in the store the whole six feet. You know, you you still keep your distance from people when you hike. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it's it's per- it's kind of perfect where we are because we don't want to get that cabin fever. <laughs> we don't want to get that Gavin fever so luckily God has blessed us and able to you know go to these places and, and preach the word yeah well and, and I watched you know the I think you have two videos up at this point and what <laughs> I, one thing I like about them is um one they're literally shot with 
your phone or you know whatever camera you have whereas you were mentioning oh these pastors will go to these different places and you know they have a film crew with them and i'm just like this is cool because it's it's in my opinion it's more intimate right it's more i'm sharing this with you i'm literally filming it myself um and and i like it because i'm i'm not a hiker so for me i get to see these places and go oh that's that's really cool. You know, if I ever look, if I ever start hiking, I might go there. But um, so I really appreciated that with and I also like the honesty of it. It's not like you said, it's not Bible thumping. It's not um, it's not theology, you know, heavy. It's just, you know what? Here's a basic place that we're at. Here's some thoughts of of, of what it reminds me of. And simply just, you know, here's what God is doing at this time. Um, it's not, I wouldn't even say it's preachy. It's just, Hey, here's some thoughts of, you know, <laughs> something I appreciate yes. at this time. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that you hit it right, right on the nail head, man. That's, uh, exactly what we were going for. I appreciate that feedback. Cause that's, that's what it is. It's, it, it's, it's a guy and his family on a trail in a place. And this is where we're at in our lives, and we want to talk about it. We want to yeah. share our lives, and and you're right, we are very honest in our in our videos. Um, you know, we want to get that out there to let people know that, yeah, when you, when you come to Christ, when, when when you come to Jesus, your life does change. However, your past is still there, and God has to remind you know He reminds me every day, like, hey, your past is over with. However, we are human. We still have our past with us. It's the baggage we carry. However, my past no longer um, has a hold of me. Mm -hmm. Those chains are broken. So we get kind of real with our with our videos, um, and, and to let you know your listeners know, I am a recovering. Uh, <laughs> I am a recovering meth addict. Let's let's not beat around the bush. These are things that we, you know, discuss. Um, and my wife is very open to anyone who asked her about it. And a lot of people don't know, but she was raped and, you know, that took a long time for her to deal with. And she's, you know, breaking out of her shell. You know, I, I've had to work with her over the years to understand like, Hey, this, this, these incidents that happened, these are not what defines you. Jesus mm -hmm. is what defines you. And, and through time, She's learning more and leaning on Jesus and not her past. The same with me. Um, mm -hmm. I have used meth for, oh man, the battle of meth addiction started in, in 04. And I am three and a half years sober now. But I did have, you know, like I said, the battle's real. So I did have years before, before I relapsed. I did have time before. I did go to rehabs. You know, I did, the, you know, the A program. Um, right now I'm in, I'm in Celebrate Recovery with my wife. You know, we are pressed in at that church. You know, we do a team program at another church. I mean, we are super pressed in. But, you know, with our videos, we, we get real to the sun. We get real and deep into our past because it, it's crazy to think that our past has led us up to here. But here is where God wants us to be. So we're using our past to, to, to speak to people um, about our issues, um, especially with my wife. You know, she was very young when her mom died you know she she has a lot of issues going on with, with her past and with me um i saw a lot of things growing up that a kid shouldn't have um 
And I'm not afraid to talk about it because that no longer has a hold on me. So if anybody's listening uh, right now, of course you're listening. <laughs> but if you know somebody who is struggling with these things, the best thing to do is to talk about them. That is the best way to get rid of these 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 demons, to get rid of these skeletons in the closet, to get rid of your past, is to openly talk to people that you can trust about it and just get it out. Um, you ever you ever like go to the movie and like you know between guy and guy over here? Uh, <laughs> you ever go to the movie theater and you're watching a movie and there's a really sad scene and you're trying to be macho and you're holding it in. You're like, oh, I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna do it. But then at the end of the movie, on your ride home, you're driving. All of a sudden, you start crying. That's that's what happens in reality. Is that when we hold it in and hold it in, eventually it's gonna come out. At the times we don't want it to, yeah. Um, especially if you're driving and you bust out crying, that's like the worst place to start crying because you have to pull over. You're putting yourself in danger and other people in danger. And that's what our past tries to do sometimes is is catch us at the wrong time and we let it out or we end up breaking down or we lash out on someone. So my best advice for anybody who's struggling with anything from their past is to openly talk about it mm-hmm. to someone that they trust, even a counselor. I mean, their job yeah. is to listen. And honestly, even if they don't give you the best advice or therapist or psychologist or whatever it may be, get it out. Get it out. And that's what kind of what we want to explain is like, hey, we got a past. And that's what our videos are for. We got a past, but this is how – Jesus redeems us. So I'm, I'm, that's why I'm super stoked about yeah. our YouTube channel. Well, and, and, and that's what I love about it. And that's what we're trying to do here with the podcast is just explain scripture in, in a way of like, this is actually a relatable thing that people go through, that people face, and that um, it, it's not, again, it, we don't, we don't try to make it very preachy it's just hey here's what the bible says here's how we apply it here's a few ways you could apply it but that's entirely up to the listener right that's entirely up to the person receiving that message are they going to seek out help are they going to find jesus or look or even just go to a church you know like um but and it for me it's just one of those things where it's I can't force anybody to do anything, but what I can do is at least give the information so that you have an option. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, because I know I know what it's like for people to um, tell me, "Oh, just trust God," but they don't. There's no guidance on what that looks like. You know, I grew up in a family where we didn't grow, we didn't go to church, but my mom was like, "Yeah, I believe in God," and I'm like. What does that mean? Who, who, you know, who is God? Tell me more. And she, there was no answers to give because she didn't have the resources. You know, we weren't involved in a church, so she didn't know where to turn. And um, when I finally kind of came, came to Jesus, it really was in a dark time because my family was going through some stuff and I was like, I don't have anyone to turn to. I don't have anyone to talk to except for these people who believe in Jesus. And as I learned more about that, I started just depending on Jesus, um, in that regard. Um, so how did that, how did that journey happen for you? How did you go from being an addict or being somebody with this, this past to somebody who gave their life over to Jesus? Um, 
That's a great question because it, it, it didn't happen overnight. Um, our third video that actually is coming out, it, it, it talks about um, how things go south. And there's two, there's two things that when you live your life, either your life gets messed up pretty fast or it takes time. It can take years for you to look back and be like, I can see where this all started. Man, that was so long ago. Um, with my addiction, I mean, let's let's be real. Um, I was molested as a kid. Um, and, you know, it comes to a shock for a lot of, you know, people to hear that. Um, if anybody's listening, if my, my family's listening, um, it, it, it comes as a shock. I don't talk about it to my family because of the fact that, um, not that I don't believe they won't understand, but... If, if these are not the people I, I want to be talking to that I, I need to be talking to pro- professionals you know mm-hmm. I need to talk to you know a pastor I, I need to talk to someone that I can truly trust with the details of this happening now you know I did get asked a question about you know how come you haven't reported it or stuff like that you, you know what I dealt with it a very long time ago but it was in my mind. Mm-hmm. And right now in my in my life, I'm I'm going to give that to God. I don't want to deal with it anymore. I don't want to think about it anymore. I just I just want it away from my life as far away as possible. And my person that done that to me, I, that's in God's hands. Like I, you know what? It's good. I I'm I'm fine. I'm a better person without it in my life. God here. When when they really when you hear people talk about just give it to God. I mean, I gave it to God in such a way to where it's like, I don't even think about it anymore. Like, it's it's been mm-hmm. gone for years. What leads me to your question is that during my teenage years, I did think about it a lot. It, it, it turned me into a very angry person. And that, you know, feeling angry all the time and feeling depressed, you, you try to do something to cope with it. And, of course, it was... Drinking. I, I started drinking when I was 12. I started smoking when I was like 13. Smoking weed when I was 13. Um, I started using cocaine at 17. I started doing, I did a little bit of meth when I was 18. Um, acid and shrews when I was 20. I mean, you name it, I've, I've done it. But it wasn't until I started smoking meth that I became an entirely unaware of who I was and where I was Mm -hmm. and today I can look back and like wow I can see where it started I can see what happened and my kids mom when we're together she started going to church I did not want to go to church quick backstory my mom's a Christian and my dad's a Jehovah Witness so as a kid when you saw that class it 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 made me think different about religion okay Mm -hmm. and so when she started going to church I did not want to go to church. As a matter of fact, when I was working, I actually made a coworker cry because I said something bad about Christians, which is really crazy because I was really against Christianity in my mid twenties. Like mm-hmm. I was against it. But when it push came to shove, um, of course we separated, we went on our way. Um, I started using more and I mean more. Like, and people are like, you didn't have a job. You didn't have money. How, how did you use every day? You know what? God has given me a gift of communication. And I use that gift 
for evil. And I mean evil. And I got my way. I found my way. I talked people into giving me money. I talked people into giving me drugs. I, you know, talked women into doing things so I can get the drugs. And, and it was, it was, it was hard. It, it was really, really hard at that time because I didn't know who I was. But um, there came a time to where I got caught with some drugs. I had to go to court. I went to this program, and it kind of opened up my eyes. But it didn't really set in because I was mm-hmm. on probation. It didn't set in for a while. Um, eventually, I had to get locked up because I wasn't showing the court. I wasn't paying my fines. I started using again. And then eventually, they were like, either, either you go to prison or you go to rehab. <laughs> this is a crazy story because when I when they said rehab, I was like, yeah, I can do 30 days. That's no problem. That'll like go by quick. Um, my, my probation officer said you had, I think it was like a Thursday and, and my probation officer said, you have until, uh, you have until Monday to check in to, to a rehab. And I was like, okay, fine. So that weekend, I mean, I literally got high the entire weekend. Um, and I didn't actually go to rehab, I think until Tuesday, because I think I slept all day Monday, but I got up, I called my person. I swear I'm going in tomorrow. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And I really meant it. I, I really wanted to go because I didn't want to go to prison. I, I'm a shorter guy, so I, <laughs> I don't I don't have the fighting skills or, or, or my mentality to be in that setting. So I thought I can choose the easier way out and go to rehab. But it was weird because when I got to the rehab center, it wasn't a 30-day rehab center. It was a six-month rehab center that they had chosen for me. <laughs> I was like, six months? Oh, I might as well just go to prison. I don't want to do six months because when I get out of the six months, I'm still on probation. I still got fines. So I show up that I show up that morning. I was like, fine, I'm, you know, I'll do it. And I really didn't want to at that point. When I was sitting in the rehab, I really didn't want to. But... When I sat down with the director and they were like, do you really want to be here? And I was like, well, you know, I really don't think I need a six-month program. I, I, I can do 30 days. You guys got 30 days? Like, I was literally trying to talk my my way to changing their program into a six-month to a to a, a, a thirty day program. I was like, "Come on, all of these thirty days, you'll get to know me." And I was, and she looked at me and she goes, "It's six months. Do you want to be here?" I go, "Well." She pecked with the phone. I'm like, "She was like, I'm gonna call your probation officer and tell him you don't want to be here. I need people that need that want to be here." So I'm calling. I was like, "Wait, wait, 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 <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Just six months, right?" <laughs> <laughs> just six months just six months you sure that's all there is I'll do more and honestly it was one of the most hardest things I've ever done in my life because the, the rules were strict the rules were hard and I completed it I, I actually graduated I, I got out and this this program um, a lot of people will, will will know of the Salvation Army Rehabilitation Centers mm-hmm. um, that's that's where I went it's a six month program but it was it was Biblical. They 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 pressed in the word. You had to go to church like twice a week. You had Bible studies. You had AA meetings. You had anger management. You had you know seminars with with all kinds of different people coming out. It was a real. I mean, I think that's where Jesus really got a hold of me mm-hmm. and was like, look, there's there's more to life than this. But honestly, 
I think it was, I wasn't ready. I, I wasn't ready to leave after I graduated. They did have like another program to stay in a couple of months, you know, to easy back into society. But I was like, okay, fine, whatever. I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll go home. I, I wasn't ready. Um, I ended up relapsing like two months later. I caught another charge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it went downhill from there. Um, I ended up, you know, moving in with, with um, this woman who ended up being my fiance. I was with her for like five five years. Her her kids would call me dad. Um, it, it was really hard because I was with her for a long time. But um, I ended up catching other kids during that time. I went through another program. I, a program that's supposed to take you 13 months to finish, it took me two and a half years to finish. <laughs> two and a half years. Double the time? <laughs> Double the time to finish the program because um, – I kept using, I, I kept on evading, like a drug test, weekly drug test, a thing they called colors, you call this hotline, and they're like, your colors are red, turquoise, blue, and if your color is blue, then you go in and test. Um, if people are familiar with the test program, yeah, that was, but like, I would be like, I hope it's Friday, because uh, if it's Friday, I'm going to get up early in the, mor- early in the morning, I'm going to go use, uh, I'm going to go test, and then I'm going to go use all weekend because my color won't, I mean, it was all played out of my mind, and I tried to manipulate the system for a while, but it didn't, it, it didn't work very well, um, and that's why it took me two and a half years, but I got sober, um, it t- I got like two and a half years of sobriety, um, but eventually me and her had this huge fallout, and I ended up um, moving back in with, with, with moms, and and you know, I lost the job, lost the car, um, and it took it took a while. However, during this time, I was still going to church. Um, I met my wife Renee. Um, she was recovering from alcoholism, so we had that in common. Um, I introduced her to a church I used to go to. She started going there, um, and then it was kind of history from there. And eventually, one day, I, I woke up and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And the hardest part, and, and this is going out to a lot of people who deal with addiction, um, there's people who hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. I didn't hit rock bottom. What what caused me to rethink and reevaluate my life was the fact that I was about to hit rock bottom. I wasn't in my rock bottom because um, my son, I had joint custody of my son at the time, and he wanted to go live with his mom Mm -hmm. and it freaked me out. It it really freaked me out. And and my wife, Renee, you know, we're, we were living together and, and she was like, I'm, I'm done. I want out. And I was like, you know, I I tried to talk my way out of it, but then I I realized that I knew the end was going to come. Renee didn't leave yet. Xavier didn't leave yet, but I knew something had to, had to start. So, I, I got sober on my own, and we talked about it like, hey, do you want to go to rehab? I was like, look, I've been to enough rehabs. I've been to enough programs. I know what I need to do. I, I've been fighting this for a long time. I know what I need to do. And most people who say that, honestly, that I've met really don't succeed. However, I really I really needed and, and leaned on God, and, and, and I knew that the, the day one, that I had to be fully 100% ready to change my life and let God change my life. And when I really said that wholeheartedly, oh man, um, I, I jumped into a, a Celebrate Recovery program. I, 
um, started speaking people who were pastors. I, I we jumped into a church. We pressed in. I mean, we we were probably at church like four times a week, or some type of recovery program four times a week, and. I, I told my family, look, don't abandon me. Let me let me do this. Don't 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 listen to what I'm saying. And and my wife, my son, my daughter, they can they can uh, account for this. I told them, don't listen to my words. Listen to my actions. I'm not going to tell you where I'm going. I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing. I want you to see how God is going to change my life because I knew He was the only one that was going to do it. Mm-hmm. it and me and my son have we have this we have this saying it's too early to tell okay it's it's too early to tell and i was about maybe two and a half months sober three months sober and my son deals with severe depression anxiety um and it's more of an internal thing chemical imbalance and he his mom called me up one day and said hey i want you to go with xavier to his therapy and i'm like sure i'll go and I went, and Xavier started saying these things that made me feel very uncomfortable, but I'm glad I, I heard them. Now, the therapist asked me, like, what are you doing? And I, I went down, like, a list of things. And I'm like, and she looked at Xavier, and they was all like, she asked, do you know that he's done? She, he was like, well, yeah. Do you see a dif- difference? Yeah. And I, I forgot what was said. But this is this is the key. She leaned over and looked at my son, who was like I think sixteen at the time, sixteen, seventeen, leaned over and she goes, Xavier, it's too early to tell. That blew a gasket. Like, but I, I never had more self control in my life not to go out off on her because it's like you don't tell someone that. You you don't tell there's their kid, hey, you know, you need to worry about this because it's too early to tell whether he's going to relapse or not. Don't trust him. Don't believe his word. You know, and it's like, wait a minute, for the last two and a half months, I've been busting my butt off, you know, to have my life saved to Christ. And you're telling him, don't, don't believe his actions. Don't, don't believe what he's doing. Like I, I blew a gasket. So every now and then, Every now and then, and like I said, I, I'm coming up on four years here in July, really soon. I know no fronts, anybody who's in the program. Um, but three and a half years, and me and my son have this phrase. Every once in a while, we'll, we'll look at each other and just say, it's too early to tell, and we will laugh. Mm-hmm. Because he said he believed her. Like, he, he believed her. Like, hey, you know what? This is, this is just a facade. This is just an act. And, and it wasn't. For the first time in my life, I was actually being honest. I was being trying to be trustworthy. I wanted people not to look at me, but to look at Christ and what's doing, uh, what He's doing in my life. And um, and I believe that has been a question to where it's like people are like, "Wow, you talk about yourself a lot." No, no, no. I- I'm talking about how God changed me. And to explain how He changed me, it's a lot of what He's done in my life to me, so that way you can have hope. If he's done it for me, he can do it for you, and he wants to do it for you. So it's been um, a very long time in my life to where I have been using, have been mm-hmm. have been going out and partying, and, and it's been a struggle. It's it's never been easy. Um, I, I believe life has been more difficult, more hard, being saved and sober than it was being 
high and out and about. Yeah, and and what's funny about this whole thing, right? So when we, you and I met, um, you it was I don't know a year and a half ago, whatever it was. Yeah. But okay. we met at church, and I I I initially you know I saw you you were working with the junior high boys, um, in their program and just teaching them and helping them and i remember just going wow like this is before i met you but i was like this dude has a lot of charisma he's got a lot of like energy and not only that like you could tell he cares about these kids and then you and i kind of got to know each other and we sat down and had a conversation and you started telling me yeah i've been through this and i've been through that and i'm like okay i didn't know you before jesus but after Jesus, it, it sounds like a totally different person. So, um, and again, part of that is because you, at the you know before you were taking God's gift and you were distorting it and using it for your benefit. Whereas now you're like, I still have that gift for gab. I still have that energy and that charisma. But now I'm gonna use it in the church. I'm gonna use it with people who need Jesus, as opposed to the opposite. Um, right. And, you know, and actually what I've always admired is the simple fact that you are so open. Like, I think the first time you and I actually had a sit down conversation that wasn't just, hey, church was good. And uh, but an actual real conversation, it was a lot of like um, you were just going, yeah, I'm going through this and I've been through this. It was a lot of openness where I was like, dude, we just met like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but at the same time it was at the same time it was so encouraging cuz I was like, "Oh, it's okay to be open about who you were and what you've been through." Um it doesn't make you less of a man. It actually builds up your uh your strength of like, "Yeah, I was, you know, I was in a dark place through Christ. I have the strength to pull out of it. I have the strength to stand on my own." And support my family, uh, and I love the like I've I've met you know Xavier and I've met your daughter and like I've met a lot of your family where I'm just like yo like again I don't I don't really know them too well but I know you it probably took a long time to rebuild those relationships and you put in that work of like I'm not giving up I'm gonna stand firm and be the man that God has called me to be you know what I mean yeah. so you you you're right. You're right, and uh, the relationships that I've had um, either were lost, given up on, or repaired. Um, yeah. Let me let me explain a little bit because a lot of people don't understand that you will lose relationships. Um, one of the main relationships that I've that I've lost um, was a lot to my family. Because those are the people who I was actually using with. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I don't want to put anybody blast. I'm not going to say any names out there. But you know, for my cousins, uh, a lot of my cousins, we would hang out, we would use together. Um, it, it was, it was, it was family time. That's what that what was hard about it. It was family time. That was what we were accustomed to: popping open a, a beer and doing other stuff you know that was that was family time that's that's what we 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 thought was was family time and and you know that i had to give up i had to, i i literally did not see one of my cousins who we were always at and i, I don't think i didn't see him for like three three years mm-hmm. two and a half years two and a half years um 
yeah, yeah, I, I had to give up that. And, and there was people who I, I wish I can continue to talk to, but um, I, I don't know how to track them down. Even with social media, some people just disappear because um, I, I want to help. Um, but then the, the most important relationships were where was my immediate family, my, my son, my daughter, uh, my, my wife. I mean, we've gone through some struggles because of our addictions, but, you know, we're still here. We're still, you know, battling, you know, every single day. But I think the greatest one was 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 my kids to mm-hmm. where um, for all you don't know, um, I was 17 when I had my daughter. So when we're out in public. We get looks because she loves like she, now she loves her dad like she loves her dad so she's always hanging on me you know leaning on me hugging me and we get these looks sometimes like dude you are way too old for that girl <laughs> and, you're like, and you're like and you're like don't worry about it that's my daughter like <laughs> we do the best we have, I'm like that's my daughter <laughs> like because I'm, I I still look young thank God um and. My daughter, you know, she's very beautiful, and I know a lot of people say that about the kids, but she is extremely beautiful. And you know, when when people see that and they they judge, and honestly, let's not beat around the bush. I, you know, if you see an older man with a very very young lady, you know, your you all your mind already starts running. So I, I try not to do that anymore. But I know what people think. I come from that lifestyle, so I can only imagine what they're thinking. An older mm-hmm. an older guy my age with a younger girl like that, holding. I mean, we're in the mall. She'll like wrap her arms like you know kind of holding my arm like you know the head on my shoulder and i love it's beautiful i love my daughter and those one that's one of the relationships that were truly repaired in all this because you know we had a very strange relationship um because of the drug use and you know things that were said to her about me and uh it was hard. It was hard, and and I worked really hard to get that relationship repaired. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still being repaired, but I believe today that you know when we speak, when we talk to each other, she I, I can see that she trusts my word. Yeah, she trusts what I'm saying, and um, she's told me several times that she's truly proud of me and she loves me, and that's more. There's nothing more beautiful than than a daughter telling her an adult daughter telling her dad i love you i'm proud of you and you know and sometimes i don't feel like that so it's it's a blessing to have your kids look up at you and be like dad you know dad isn't the richest guy in the world but he he is he is a godly man now and and we believe him we trust him we love him and you know let's let's be there for him so yeah. I, i'm glad those re- those relationships repaired because honestly this is like my fifth time trying to go through a program and trying to get recovered. And most people don't get a second chance, but mm-hmm. luckily the God that we serve is, is a hundredth chance type of God. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I love also is the simple fact that again, just talking with you, you're not that kind of Christian who's like prim and proper and like, you know what I mean? Who's like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm holy because Christ is holy or whatever. But you're just like no, I'm I'm a real person. Heck, I made mistakes yesterday. <laughs> I've made mistakes today, um, yeah. and 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 the fact is, I've always seen. And every time I see you, like you invite new people to church, you come with an entourage to church because you're like, yeah, this is my cousin and my niece and my nephew and my aunt and whoever. But not only that, but like, it's not just bringing people to church. You're like, no, I'm bringing them to Jesus. The church is <laughs> yes. irrelevant. Like I'm bringing them to Jesus because of what god has done in my life um 
but it, you, I don't know. There's just something where I'm like, okay, I see certain people at church, and I'm like, you can kind of tell they're wearing a mask, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But you, you're like, nah, dude. Yeah, I got in an argument with so and so on the way to church, but I'm praising God while I'm here, and you know, everything's being worked on. And again, I and I've, I, I don't, I don't trust people who wear a mask to church, so to speak. If I could tell, okay, they, they. They know Jesus, but are they really um, following Jesus? I'm like, no. But I, I 100% trust the people who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm a giant screw up, but Jesus is graceful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because that's how I am. I go to church and I'm like, yeah, yesterday, you know, was a rough day, but today's a new day. We're going to keep moving forward and I'm going to keep pressing into who Jesus is. Um, right. Uh, you know, and I see no reason to hide stuff at all. I see no reason to go go to church and just act like, yeah, everything's great. If I had a rough day the day before, I'm probably going to be like, yeah, yesterday sucked. But we're moving on. And for those people who want to talk about it, I'll talk about it and say, yeah, this is what I'll say. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, yeah. I, I, I appreciate all those words, brother. I mean, it's it's... Um, you know, we haven't known each other for, you know, years and years and years, but I, I think we've uh, been able to come closer together and, and you know, kind of hanging out of church and talking and, and your wife and, and my wife are, are besties, which is um, kind of amazing because that's not, this is how it just works. Um, sometimes when we least expect it, he will put people in our lives that um, we feel that we may not have nothing in common or, you know, we don't, Mm -hmm. you know, we shouldn't associate or or whatever, but it's, um, with my wife struggling to have and keep friends in her life. I mean, I've never seen her so like open and so like excited to, to be around people who she can trust and she can be herself, you know, with your wife. And it's just like, wow, like, like, wow. I, I, I really was praying for that for a long time because um, she, she struggled with that. And, you know, it's, you know, your, your family and our mm-hmm. family has been a blessing to the church. But, but yeah, she, she struggled with that for a while. And, and I'm glad she has a bestie, mm-hmm. um, you know, and because and sometimes as, as a husband, as a husband, we hear a lot of the complaints from the wife, which is cool, which is cool. I'll listen to it but, all day. <laughs> which is cool. But sometimes as, as a guy, we, we need to associate with other men, you know, give feedback. Okay, this is what's happening, and I believe she doesn't understand. You know, what can I do? And, and that's that's great. And, and for, for her, you know, with, with, with your wife was kind of like, wow, that's that's amazing, you know. And sometimes I have to look at her like, I hear you, but what's your solution? And she just kind of looks at me I don't and have it's like, one. you know, we, I, I, okay, we don't have a solution, but maybe you need to go talk to somebody else about this and playing your wife. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and here's and his what's funny, right? So when you and I met was the same time our wives met. Like, I think right. it was around the same day. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I think I, I bumped so. into you at church, and then because you and I were talking, our wives started talking. So, and then when, when Jessica and I were going through some stuff, you know, Jessica was, you know, she wasn't working for a little while because she was looking for a job. And 
and she was just down in the dumps down and, and I was like you need to speak with somebody because I'm at work like you can't call me because I'm at work like I you know what I'm saying when I come home I'll be there but in the meantime and I was trying to tell Jessica I go you also need to speak with somebody who is a believer she has a lot of friends who we love them to death but they're like why do you need to go to church why do you need to trust and so I'm like why would you go to them for advice when they're not going to give you advice you need um and so I was like you need to talk to to Renee like or talk to somebody and she started reaching out to your wife and like and first she was really nervous about it like why would I do this she's not going to want to talk to me and <laughs> and not not long after they were like yep yeah, we're best friends like you can't separate us and I was like I wasn't going to try to <laughs> you know right, like right. if you guys need each other and I tell her all the time like she'll she'll be I'll be at work and I'll come home I'm like, hey, well, you know, what are you doing? How are you doing? And she's like, oh, I've been talking to Renee for the last two and a half hours. I go, good. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, we're talking about this. We're talking about that. Sweet. You know, and I, I tell her all the time, how can we pray for Renee and Joe and what's going on with them and whatever? And we'll sit and pray for you guys because we're like, no, nah, this is family. Like, this is a family, Yeah. you yeah. know, because, you know, I'm like, hey, if I, if I needed it. I know I could jump over, hit hit Joe up, and be like, "Hey, pray for me over this situation." And I've done that. You know what I'm saying? I've done that. Well, I'm like, "Hey, something's going on at work. Pray for me." Or something's going on over here, right. and you're like, "Not a problem." You know what I mean? You know. And I know, and I know you. You're one of those people that when you say you're gonna pray, I know you guys are gonna pray. Uh, you're not just pulling my chain or sitting there making up. Oh, I mean, right. maybe I'll pray. You know, whatever. You you know, you're in prayer. Uh, and I know Renee prays for Jessica because I see the paragraph of like they'll pray over the phone and I see the prayer and I'm like, oh, that's like three pages long. But OK, cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Right. right. And, and, and I think I agree with you. I think that's one of the best things that God has done in my ministry and your ministry is like that God's put us together where it's like, hey, I've gone through some stuff. You've gone through some stuff. Let's talk. Let's work this out. Let's speak on it on a real life basis, not just trust God, but here's his steps to take to get closer to that recovery or closer to that, um, closer to Jesus. So, to, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, to me, it's just it's one of those things where I just go, hey, like I want I want to surround myself with Christians who are real Christians like they go through the struggle they go through the battle and you are one of those people that I'm like yo I'm struggling I need your help um there's certain people who who I've met in the past or who claim to be Christian or whoever that I'm like I feel like if I really let them know what's going on they're gonna be like oh um I can't you know just pray no I, I need more like I need personal support you know what I mean um right. so yeah, I mean, other than that, like, and that's why, you know, when you said you were jumping in and, and doing the YouTube uh, channel, I was like, I'm, I'm going to be subscribing, I'm going to be sharing these videos, because I knew they were going to be real. I knew they were not going to be super high produced, and, you know, they're just going to be, hey, this is me with my camera just talking about Jesus, because that's what's on my heart. That's what's going on in my life. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And... One one thing I wanted to point out that you had mentioned before 
that, you know, you, you didn't know much about me before, you know, my, my entered in, into Christ. However, you, you do know a, a, a little bit about my struggle mm-hmm. with my diabetes. Yes. And that's kind of the irony of all this is that, um, doctors say that my, my drug, my drug use kind of kicked in, um, some internal things with my body to where, you know, insulin, um, just was out of whack. Um, that was kind of the true struggle after I started getting a hold of the addiction, you know, the whole routine of, of what I need to do first thing in the morning, what I need to do throughout the day in order to get through the night and, and put rest my head on my pillow to where I'm like comfortable in my pet peace. Um, was was my diabetes was it came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I had a friend who 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 was more honest and open about things than I am. And he, he's a non Christian. However, he he was one of the first people to like give it to me real. And I can't quote what he said <laughs> the language he used, but it pretty much came down to him looking at me and like, what happened? Like, mm-hmm. why, why are you so big? Like, what'd you do to yourself? You know, and, it, you know, later down the road, I think it was, uh, uh, it was a holiday. I was at a family member's house and, and uh, a family member looked at me and he was like, dang, you're the person who ate him. I was like, dang, that's messed up. You kind of said it in front of people. And I was like, I'm not that big. Like, why? That's, that's messed up. You know, mm-hmm. and then I, then I started realizing like, maybe there's something wrong, you know? And then the very first time that I, I stepped on the scale, it was, oh man, I, w- I was, I was like three, no, I'm sorry. I was like two, 280, 290. Um, I'm only five, five. So 280, you know, I can look like a little Oompa Loompa. Um, and you know, I was at work one day and I couldn't see like my vision blurred, like so bad. And I felt like passing out. And the crazy story is, uh, it was about 10 years ago. Uh, my cousin was diagnosed with diabetes and he didn't know. And one day we were in our room, we were, we were using and the very next day he looked pale mm-hmm. and my mom said, you need to take him to the doctor. And we didn't want to go because we've been using all night. And we were like, no, it's just probably bad drugs. That was our thing. It's probably bad drugs. You know, you know. But then he was like, uh, I feel like I'm dying. And I'm like, dude, you're talking crazy. Stop. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's just the drugs. You know, stop. He's like, dude, take me to the hospital. Like, I, I feel like if I close my eyes, I won't wake up. And I'm like, dude, it, we, we've been up for a couple of days. You know, that's, you should know. You know, we went back and forth. He was like, dude, take me. So I went, I literally kind of tucked and rolled grandma thing where I pulled up to the ER and I really didn't stop stop <laughs> he kind of jumped out I got a road because I didn't I didn't want anybody asking me any questions but later on that night I get the call and he was like he was like dude I, I have diabetes and they said I, I could have died if I would have went to sleep I might not would have woke up and I was like oh man I was still high so I didn't actually, I love him and I didn't want to go see him that day. And I waited to the very last minute to go see him. And they were like, yeah, he's diabetic, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I felt bad. And the irony is that eventually that's how I felt. 
that mm-hmm. day at work. Like I wanted to close my eyes and I cannot describe it any other way. Like I felt like I was dying. Like if I closed my eyes, I was scared that I would not wake up. So I went to the hospital and I went to the hospital. This was like about almost a little under two years of my sobriety mm-hmm. um, into my sobriety that I went to the hospital and they're like, you're, you're diabetic. Your blood sugar's off the chain. Um, your cholesterol, it's, it's so high. We don't even have a chart for it. Um, your blood pressure, it's, you, you got to get this under control. And from, from day one of that, and I said, you know what? I have to take a look at this exactly how I take a look at my recovery. Yeah. If I don't do this, I'm going to die. And that's how I felt with my recovery. Like, prison doesn't, doesn't, it's not necessarily the worst case scenario for me. It's dying and mm-hmm. leaving my kids in limbo. That's, that's my worst case scenario. So I, I took my diabetes as a way to, you know, put Jesus in another aspect of my life. Not, not only as in my, my eating habits, mm-hmm. but in my health my exercising, my self-grooming, my my finances. Because when you start eating healthy, you notice your grocery bill go up. It's the crazy thing about this country is that our, our fresh produce is expensive, our fresh cut meats are expensive, and the crazy thing was that when we got back to the hospital, from the hospital, we literally grabbed the trash can and anything that had sugar in it or high carbs, we literally threw away to where the only thing that was left was a lettuce, tomato, an avocado, and milk. I think that's and literally the only thing that was in my fridge when we were done cleaning it and, out. And notice that you said a tomato. <laughs> a tomato. <laughs> Singular. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, and it's great to see, you know, this entire life change. I mean... I see it in you, I see it in your wife, I see it throughout your family where it's like, I can't go to your Instagram without seeing one of you guys working out, one, you know, meal prepping, getting things ready, and I'm like, I told Jessica, I go, if we ever start really eating healthy, you guys are the first people I'm calling, because like, (laughs) I don't know if you know how to, I mean, obviously you know how to do it, because I'm like, okay. And I told Jessica, I go, eventually, we're going to have to eat healthier, and we should. You know what I mean? But right now, right. things are kind of crazy because there's nothing in the grocery stores. So I'm like, right now, we're just kind of eating what we have. and you know. But I was like, if, when we start really eating healthy, the first people we're calling are you guys because we're going to need some help. We're going <laughs> Jessica, <laughs> Jessica loves sugar. I love sugar. Like, this is going to be this is going to be fun. Uh, yeah. We we did have we did have sugar withdrawals. There is such a thing oh, as sugar withdrawals. Oh, one hundred. I know. When you cut that out, you start shaking. It's, oh, I've... it's like drugs. It's like so, cocaine. You will start to shake or alcohol when you so, stop intaking sugar. It's so, crazy. So here's what I'm gonna do. When we go through this journey. Like, I'm going to drop Jessica off at y'all's place while she's going through withdrawals because I'm not. No. Um, but nah, dude, like, it's it's been, you know, it's been great having you on here. I definitely want to have you on here again. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because I know we have so much more to talk about. 
but we're, oh, ki- yeah, we're, yeah. we're kind of hitting an hour here and i know i gotta i got okay. some stuff to do um okay. but yeah well, we're definitely gonna do this again man you know I, I appreciate you having me on and, and letting me you know talk about you know our, our youtube channel roads to redemption absolutely um, you know we appreciate that you know thanks for being family you know thanks for having me on uh on beautiful feed entertainment you guys are doing amazing things over there i really love the podcast you guys keep up the good work over there absolutely you too and uh we'll definitely hit up with uh later on yeah absolutely Take all right man brother. all right later all right fam welcome back to the beautiful feet podcast this is the section of the podcast where we go ahead and jump into uh scripture we're going ahead and going straight into acts 19 but before we do we're going to do a brief overview of uh, acts 18 uh so let's go ahead and look into that real quick all righty going back to chap to acts chapter 18 for a moment we see that Paul is in Corinth. We learn that his occupation is as a tent maker. And also we see that he stays in Corinth for quite some time because he meets Priscilla and Aquila there. Um, I feel like that's that's a lot of that's, the main highlights Yeah, that's right the there. majority of it. Um, so let's go ahead and just jump straight into Acts 19. Um, let's start with that first story because um, again there's always kind of small chunks of stories but let's go ahead and that first story let's read that not the whole thing obviously but you know okay um, do you just want me to start with verse 1 and yeah. then maybe stop at 7 sure okay so I feel like that's gonna encapsulate the first little thing that we'd like to focus on today Paul in Ephesus while Apollos was at Corinth Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Thank you. So, let's let's go ahead and go over that scripture real quick. So, we have... Paul, he's encountering a group of men, and they start, they all realize that they are all believers, they're all Christians, but um, there's this big difference about them. Let's talk about that difference. Well, they knew that they had received a baptism, but that was only a water baptism, and Paul was looking for something more. Mm-hmm. And this is what I like about this verse, it's... it's um, it kind of it explains the difference between a water baptism and a um, a baptism of of the Holy Spirit, right? So a water baptism, or in this case, it's talking about a baptism of repentance. Um, basically, that's when you believe in Jesus. What you do is, you know, you go to a body of water, 
Uh, in most churches, this is actually done in a baptismal or like a, in, a, in, a, in a small tub. Um, so you'll stand there. They'll declare, they'll ask you, you know, do you believe in, that Jesus is, is your savior? And then they'll dunk you in the water. Most, at least that's how most churches do it. They'll dunk you in the water and then you rise up. And what that does is it symbolizes when they dunk you in, that symbolizes the death to your old life before Jesus. And then when you come out of the water, that's your life after Jesus. Just like Jesus rose from the grave. This is you rising from that uh, previous situation. Well, and that's also a baptism. It's called immersion because you're totally immersed. You're underneath the water. But there are also some religious traditions um, within the Christian faith family that only sprinkle water. Yeah, and that that's why. And again, there's, that's why I'm saying there's different um, understandings of baptism. But in this context, that's the one that they're speaking about. Um, and you and I got to baptize each other. So that was that was actually a great um, experience to have. That was a decision that we made shortly after we got engaged. I think it was a, about a month after we got engaged. Yes, it was. Um, and how was that experience? It was really neat because we had decided like, okay, we're making this step to share a life together. And we wanted to be sure that we were going to continue to have that life be faith-based yeah so i i try to remember so we baptized you and then you helped baptize me so that was Mm kind of cool um now the second baptism it talks about in this verse or this section um was the baptism of the holy spirit how, how would you describe the baptism of the holy spirit well the like initially when you're baptized with water that's symbolizing like the fact that your old life is washed away so because we know that everything that's in christ is a new creation and then when you get baptized it's an opportunity for you to leave the sins or other things of your past behind as you begin this new journey because baptism is a public declaration that yes i do believe that jesus is my lord and savior so that's the first kind of baptism is the baptism with water and we know from the scripture that was how john baptized because that was just what john had authority with but then when jesus came along when he came onto the scene he had told the apostles that after his death that he would send them the comforter which we now know is the holy spirit because they received that on the day of pentecost when the when they were able to speak in the tongues of different people who were gathered in Jerusalem. There were people there from all over the world, and they were able to hear um, the message from the disciples in their own language. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit for us, um, we still have that power or that ability today to be able to speak in tongues and prophesy. But I think it's important to note that when prophecy takes place there also has to be someone to translate those words that we might not understand mm-hmm. into a language that is familiar to us and, and it's also very important that when you prophesy or you speak in these other languages um first of all that's a gift from the holy spirit so um we really need to hold that up to um 
hold that up to like criticism from the gospel, right? From uh, God's word, just again to to translate it, to understand it, and to follow it, right? Um, I you know, and when it comes to this, like I wouldn't trust I wouldn't trust everybody who says that they they can prophesy or that they can speak in tongues. I would I would really try to hold that up to God's word and make sure that it you know connects because if it doesn't connect then you're dealing with um, like false prophets and, and think people who are trying to lead you astray from God's word. Well, because I've ca- I've encountered some people in in a, like a religious setting who almost made you feel guilty if you did not have the ability to speak in the Holy Spirit, like you didn't have enough faith to be able to do it. Um, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit are they're very wide and all-encompassing like hospitality mm-hmm. is a gift from the holy spirit so well and that's what i don't understand a lot of times because i too have you know had these conversations where people are like no you have to speak in tongues or else like you're not accepted by jesus and i'm like wait that doesn't make any sense based on scripture um based on scripture it's very much like jesus loves everybody and he treats everybody equally but also different in what they need right he's not going to give um somebody who has resources he's not going to give them resources but he is going to direct them to to the father right like but he's also fed people who did not have food so he gives people resources as they need them um and i honestly think since it is a gift like you don't give the same gift to everybody you, you personalize the gift, right? Why wouldn't God personalize these gifts for us? You know, and I think that's, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He personalizes these gifts and manifests or shows itself in different ways. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, and I feel like, again, there are people who, when they, they are baptized, they are still very new Christians. So they're still kind of learning... Again, just to have that relationship with Jesus, what his ministry was like. They're very new to perhaps the Bible or or being a part of a faith community. And I feel like if they just spoke in tongues right away, that would probably be very overwhelming and slightly confusing for them. Oh, yeah. So I would say that that gift is something that a prerequisite of it is to have a certain level of spiritual maturity. Yeah, like you've got to, again, you've got to be in a specific, um, specific place personally before you could make that connection and have it make sense. Um, And, you know, and and we're not, I'm personally, we're not disrespecting churches who, you know, believe in, in, uh, believe in speaking in tongues. Um, And I'm also not speaking against churches who, um, don't put an emphasis on that, and that's fine because that in the in in the work of God, like we have to work with what we've been given. And if you if you decide as a ministry, you know we're not gonna focus on this yet or at this time or with you know newcomers, that's fine because it will come to those as they grow in faith, as they understand. God and as they get to understand the Holy Spirit. So well, and I I know again, 
I've been in situations where the the concept of the Holy Spirit was more of like, okay, it's going to be like an internal compass, a guiding factor, something that's going to help you as you make decisions or give you encouragement when you're reading God's word. It's not going to be always something that's within the public community of worship. Yeah. Whereas in speaking in tongues, I mean, I'm sure that you could have private moments to do that. But when I think about that experience of speaking in tongues, my mind goes to a corporate worship setting. Yeah. So, I mean, I just wanted us to share our thoughts on that because in this chapter, that is a a big part of it. And it's one of those things that this turns a lot of people away from, from the church simply because it's so, it's kind of an out there concept, right? This idea that the Holy Spirit gives us a gift of speaking a language we don't understand. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I, I, I can completely imagine a lot of people pulling away from, from the church for this reason because they're being, un- unfortunately, being shamed for not having this gift. Okay, um, was there anything else about that particular moment of them getting baptized that we wanted to focus on? I don't think so. Because so. we, had, we had three specific instances that, that we pulled from this chapter that we felt were worth just diving into a little bit more. And that was the first one. Okay, um, do we want to talk about the Sons of Skeba or just skip right to the writing? No, we can go to... We can go to the Sons of Skiva. <laughs> I just I just thought that was a very interesting phrase. Um, okay, so for this story, we see that starting in verse 13, there are some Jews who are driving out evil spirits, and they had tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. So, again, we're just hitting on a topic that is controversial, to it's say ha- the it's least. It's hard to handle, and, and we're just giving an overview this is why we always encourage people to dig into the scripture themselves and, and let God explain to you that understanding and that, that um, interpretation. But and can we, let's go back into that. So as a part of this, they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out to mm. the demon who was supposedly possessing these individuals. And says, one day an evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? And this man who had the evil spirit within him, he beat them up very, very severely. Um, also, again, it's just in this little portion of scripture, we see that because people are turning to Jesus, there are people who had previously practiced sorcery, so they're bringing their scrolls, their sacred text from within that practice, and they um, burned them publicly. But they said that the value was 50,000 drachmas, and a drachma was a silver coin that's worth about a day's wages. So you can see that Ephesus is a city that um, where these pagan practices really have roots and traditions. So that kind of helps us to segue into the third story that we really wanted to focus on. Now, before we touch that third story, now, what, what I love is, in the second story, the fact that you have people coming to faith in Jesus, 
So they're giving up their old life, right? So they that means that if they were since they were they were dealing with this more dark magic or whatever you want to call it, they were getting rid of that and saying, I don't need it any longer. It's not part of who I am. But as you're going to find out in a moment, that's part of their ecosystem mm-hmm. is this belief and, and this, this, um, I don't like the term dark magic, but, um, this, this lifestyle that it's part of the ecosystem or the economy. But I love the fact that we have a group of people saying, you know what? As a follower of Jesus, I realize I do not need this part of my past. Therefore, I'm going to actually eliminate it from my life altogether. Because I know in my life, there's been things that I've been connected with uh, or entertained by that I had to do the same thing. Well, and even today in the church service that we watched online, it talked all about the concept of pruning and how... Pruning is not meant to be a punishment, but the second point in that was, it's not necessarily always just getting rid of bad things, but it's removing some good things so that God can give you what's best for you. Yeah. And I feel like in this context, with those individuals who are bringing forth their sorcery scrolls, that was a way that God was reaching them to say like, hey, you might think this is a good thing, but believing in me and having this new life in christ that's the best thing for you yeah and now we're gonna go through that economy and we're just gonna talk about um the riot so in ephesus there's a little note here in my bible let me get to that it says that the temple of artemis which is going to be a central theme to this riot says, the temple of the false goddess Artemis was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was larger than a football field and had 127 marble columns, each of them as high as a five-story building. People came to Ephesus from all over the world to visit the temple of Artemis. So, this last story that we're going to um, just dive into a little bit more from chapter 19 begins with a silversmith worker named Demetrius. Mm-hmm. And he, his grievance against Paul and his teachings was that Paul said that gods do not dwell or reside in items that are made by human hands. And if that's the case, that means that these silversmiths whose job was to make small relics or like miniature versions of the temple of artemis or other things other idols other pieces of silver that could be purchased because paul was saying that those items were unnecessary it was going to have or having an economic impact on these silversmiths and again i feel like we see this in our culture um yes we see people actually like Devoting time, devoting energy, devoting um, dedication to actual statues, actual, um, I mean, heck, there's a, there's a uh, group of people that like, I'm, for lack of a better term, worship rocks, right? Like every rock has healing factors and this, and, and stones and different things like that. So we still see this today, but we could actually take that a little further and, and talk about 
what we worship on or spend our time on when it comes to digitally, when it comes to entertainment wise, like we can branch it out further. But the idea is if there's something that you're dedicating more time to um, than your, your faith in Jesus, um, especially if it's actually another quote unquote God, that's not that's not gonna grow you spiritually. That's really not gonna help you. It's really gonna pull you away from your your true uh, personality, right? It's gonna pull you away from who God created you to be. Well, and going back to the example of the rocks, or I think what you're thinking of is like crystals. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I was like, to to my understanding, each of those crystals they have a certain name, and they also according to these belief systems have certain different properties and to me i feel like it's the belief that those things will happen if you have this particular crystal not really like hey is this rock going to do something but your belief that Mm -hmm. it will like that's what's going to make people pay for stuff like this is because they're going through something and they're just desperately trying to find a way to help or alleviate some sort of pain or ailment in their life. Yeah, and and I agree with you. They're really just trying to connect with something on a spiritual level. Um, and they just... And that's their way of, of coping with whatever situation that they're dealing with. Um, but again, I, I love that connection between today's culture and the culture of, of Ephesus because it's still so similar. And, and Paul was speaking against it saying, hey, if something, uh, a God is not something that can be molded by human hands. It's actually the other way around. A God is what can take um, molecules and atoms and make humans. So um, I, really, I really like that because I feel like it's so applicable still. Well, and also, for us today, you were saying about, like, things that we put above Jesus. We have to be mindful of how we're going to be spending our time, especially during this particular moment in time where we have a lot more free time available to us. Yeah, like, are we going to sit there and and constantly just watch TV or or try to interact with people through um, events? I would say sports, but there are no sports at this moment. Or are we going to connect with people on, on a personal level, speak with them about what they're going through or about our faith and really let that blossom into great conversation, great friendships, and even with your family members to build that bond. Like, so there is like, what can you do in this time? There's things, you know, you can, you can sit there and just dull the pain until the quarantine's over, or you can build a, like a deep everlasting relationship with your family and friends through Jesus, like through these conversations. Well, and in the situation in Ephesus, in these riots, the, I can't remember the name of what it is, but the person who like basically stopped their argument in its tracks, let's see if I can get to it here. Oh, the, okay, so, the, sorry, 
Starting at verse 35, we see the city clerk is the one who calms down the crowd. Because this crowd, in their uproar, they're cheering, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Like, this went on for probably two hours. Because the, the silversmiths, their argument was, if Paul and people like him are allowed to continue to preach, then Artemis is going to be... She's not going to have the glory that we feel that she deserves. So, um, the city councilman says what they should do is that they should just go and press charges and to do it within a legal assembly. But he said that the reason they might be charged for a riot is because they can't really account for the commotion that they had started. He was basically saying there was no reason for it, and then the assembly was dismissed. Mm-hmm. So you have a person here who is saying, okay, I understand that you have a grievance against these people. Take it up in court. Yeah. Like, this is not the way to go about resolving this conflict. And, and the conflict wasn't even... Um... It wasn't even a spiritual conflict. It was an economic conflict. Because they're like, we make these statues. People buy them. If we break them, if we no longer manufacture them, we lose a big chunk of our economy. Well, and for them, again, to play the devil's advocate here, I feel like it was um, a religious conflict for the people who believed in Artemis. Because they felt like Paul was devaluing this goddess who was the the lifeblood of their city. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, there's not really much of a resolution to that at this point, right? It's probably going to bleed over into chapter 20. Yeah, well, let's, let's take a quick look here. It didn't seem like there was much of a stamp of this is over. It's most likely going to continue. Um, we actually see after this point, Paul is going to be headed to Macedonia and Greece. Okay, so Paul's just dropping a bomb and kind of walking away. But again, even though he kind of leaves, we, we still have, there's still going to be um, a, something to, you know, to resolve the issue. Um, but essentially, he's just trying to get people to look to Jesus and not look to Artemis, right? Not yes. look to... A false god um, that is man-made, but to a god who created man or mankind. So, yeah. Anything else we need to touch on with that chapter? No, I, I feel like it was a really interesting study because we see so many different types of people. We see people who are new in the faith. We see people who are, might be a little bit further along who are trying to to channel the power of Jesus' name to draw out demons. We see people who are not part of the the way, as it was called, what we now think of as the Christian faith at all, but who are on opposing sides. So there's a lot of different characters that came to light in this chapter. And it's funny because I believe when, when we study it and when you guys study it, you can find someone in there that you can relate to personally, uh, depending on your walk with Jesus and what that looks like. Um, and through that, I hope you can find someone that you can look at and go, okay, this was their argument or their understanding of faith. I'm on the same, I'm on the same area or plateau. Let me grow in Jesus. How did they do that? 
Um, but yeah, other than that, like, it's pretty, it's, it's, like she said, it's very much, um, it shows the, the faith in so many different stages. And that's why we keep reading the Bible throughout our lives, because as you grow in your faith, your understanding of, of, of scripture is going to change. So, um, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and. Is there anything else that we need to jump into or talk about? Um, I just always like to thank our listeners for joining us today, for taking some time out of your day to um, listen to what we have to say, to maybe explore and engage and encounter with the word together. Mm-hmm. Anthony will always, always, always encourage our listeners to go back and to read the scripture along with us, to read it for yourself, just because that way um, God can use the word to speak to you on a personal level. Yeah, if you if if you're sitting and listening to the podcast, um, I definitely recommend you know connect with Jesus on that personal level because it's through that is where you're gonna grow and learn to understand the Holy Spirit and understand this faith that we keep talking about. Um, and on that, I'm gonna go ahead and pray, and uh, we can conclude the episode with that. So, um, Father God, we thank you for this day for this week we thank you for everything you're doing in this week we just pray that you would um continue to bless our community uh bless our our cities and our states and our 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 areas that maybe uh you know but people are still in their homes i pray for safety in those times and, and i pray for healing over anyone who is sick whether that is with the coronavirus or that's something as simple as a cold I just pray for healing over their hearts, over their bodies. And I just pray, God, that we would continue to seek after you in this time um, to build our relationship with our families and to build our relationship with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, We're going to go ahead and conclude it there. Have a great week, you guys. And um, don't forget to hit up uh, BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Beautiful Feet Entertainment, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Beautiful Feet Podcast, a partnership of BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Please feel free to follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment. Please visit BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com, and do not forget to like, share, and subscribe.